Agent Power Huddle is a daily jumpstart, giving you all the tools you need to create an amazing real estate career. Led by top experts in the field, you'll learn how to sell more houses in less time while creating the life you want. Welcome to the Agent Power Huddle. Do you guys want to know what to say in every single situation? I'm going to guess that's a yes. Craig's giving me the, the big eyes. That's a, yeah, that's a yes. That's what we're covering today. So today we're going over powerful objection handling patterns. We had a guest host schedule today. I don't know if those of you read the, the emails, the schedules, you follow that sort of thing. We had an audible. They had some sort of a, um, I'm not going to go into details, but they had an issue scheduling that we had to change. We will bring that guest back on in the future, who is, uh, it'll be pretty cool. And uh, for today, I'm just jumping in here and um, I'm going to go through this powerful objection handling patterns with you. So show of hands, those of you on camera, I see this couple of you. Has anyone gone through this with me before talking about objection handling? There's only two of you. So I have like a 50% chance of getting a response. All right. So Craig has, cool. Those of you on Facebook, here's the homework that I want to give to you. If you've heard this before or some sort of objection handling pattern discussion before, I want you to think about how many of these techniques you're actually using in your day-to-day sales business, in your real estate business, where are there pieces you could go a little deeper? And what are the most recent objections you've gotten, right? Most recent objections you've gotten. And did you actually handle them well? Did you, can you, can you improve it? For those of you who've never gone through a discussion on objection handling before, buckle up. This is going to be a fun 30 minutes. So I actually have slides prepared for today. Even though this is an audible and we just jumped in, uh, I have to say thank you to, uh, to our Agent Power Huddle crew. Thank you, Zach and Rent and Brents for uh, having me with backup materials that I'm, I'm ready to jump in. So tell me guys if you can see my screen here. Can you see this where it says powerful objection handling patterns? All right, perfect. So I'm going to start by teaching you the overall structure of how to handle any objection. So if you want to go back to this where I started, which was, you know, how do you handle any objection anytime? How do you handle all of that? Well, I'm going to tell you exactly how to do it. So it starts with a basic pattern. And Craig, I don't know if you're able to come off mute. It looks like you're, are you, are you at home? Where are you today with the TV, the beautiful TV behind you? I'm in the, uh, no, I'm at the office from the bullpen. Oh, cool. Oh, that's your new office. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Cool. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to make Craig play with me this morning because I like having co-hosts with me. So Craig, thank you for jumping in. Craig Chastain, if you don't know him from Inland Empire, California, runs a fantastic team there. Craig is a, is a pretty powerful salesperson in and of his own right. So Craig, do you know the overall structure of like, no matter what the objection is, do you know how to handle it? Like step-by-step every time that that's part of your, your skill set, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I do it fairly well. Okay. So I want you, as we go through this to tell me if you've seen this format before and if this is kind of how you do it, or do you have a different approach? Cause there's not a one size fits all to how to do this. So Craig, feel free to jump in at any time as I go through this. Here is the basic objection pattern. Okay. Step number one. And, and I should clarify at the top guys, there's a big difference between a statement, a question and an objection. That's a, that's a training for a separate time, but just make sure when someone tells, this could be a buyer, could be a seller, could be an agent you're trying to recruit. It doesn't matter, right? They're little, it's literally all the same basic pattern. It could be a friend or your significant other. You're going to use the same. Anytime someone gives you an answer, that's not what you want. I'm going to call that either a question, a statement or an objection. And most of the time they're probably objections. So the first step in a powerful objection handling pattern is to ignore it. Those of you with children know exactly what I'm talking about. Craig, do you have kids? Yeah, I've got three of them. Do those kids have selective hearing from time to time? All the time. Okay. I got a three and a six year old. I love my kids. They really do give meaning to my life. But I will say, if I said to them, hey, Dax, 
do you want to go to Disneyland right now? His answer would be, what? What do you think he'd say, Craig? Yes. Right. 100%. But I can say, hey, Dax, will you clean up your Legos? And the answer is? Nothing. Right? The answer is crickets. Nothing. I could ask him four times. And so this is something that is it's hardwired into kids, but as an adult, we kind of forget it. So I'm not literally telling you that you should just pretend like you didn't hear them in a sales situation. That's pretty offensive, but you could ignore it. Meaning you can push it back to later. You walk through the front door of a listing appointment. And the first thing the seller says to you, Craig, let's say they say to you, they say, you know what, before we get started, I just want to let you know, thank you for coming over, but I'm not paying more than half a percent to an agent for selling my house. Do you on the spot start talking commission or do you acknowledge it and push back and move on and handle that later if it ever comes up again? Yeah, I'll acknowledge it and push it, push it back up. Okay. That's called ignore guys. That's the first step of the, you have to acknowledge it, right? You're going to acknowledge it, but you're not going to handle it on the spot. So you're going to ignore it, meaning they may never bring it up again. If they sign that listing agreement without ever referencing the fact that they wanted to pay you like a dollar to list the house, just go ahead and list it. You've already listed enough value and you're ready to rock. All right. So the second thing becomes restate. So once you ignore, you're going to go to restate. So ignore and then restate. So, you know, what I'm hearing you say is, you know, the commission that you, uh, you pay your agents important to you. Is that correct? Yep. All right. Great. From there, we, it's really simple. Restate's just a couple words. Don't repeat it back to them. If they tell you like, in terms of restating, they say, well, look, I can't, I can't buy a house yet because my cousin is, uh, has a dog named Harry and that dog is going in for surgery and that dog will be in surgery for two weeks. You don't restate all of that back. You just really, like I said, it's like, cool. So what I'm hearing you say is you got some stuff going on in your life. It's got to be handled before you can buy a house. Is that right? Really simple restate. The next step then becomes to isolate. This is a big one that I find even experienced agents like Craig Chastain, like myself, sometimes forget to do this. And then we get really bummed later because we forget to isolate the objection. So Craig, when I say isolate, tell me if you've ever had this issue. What I mean is you handle the objection beautifully. You cover exactly what they were asking only to find out there were three more objections behind it. You didn't know about. Oh yeah. Right. Isn't that frustrating? It is because you handle the one and there's two more. Yeah. So this, so this is where isolation comes in, right? Let's take buyers. Let's say we're talking about writing an over list price offer, something that we've probably all had to deal with in the last six months. And you're, this is the first time they're writing an offer and they just don't want to, they just don't want to, you know, they just don't want to get in a bidding war. I know how many of you guys have heard that sentence ever. I just don't want to get in a bidding war, right? Of course you don't, right? So, so other than not wanting to get in a bidding war, is there any other reason you wouldn't want to write an offer on this house? That's called isolation. They might say, well, actually, the fact that it only has half a bathroom is it bothers me. Like I need a shower or a bathtub somewhere. So, okay, cool. So other than the fact that it, it, you don't want to get in a bidding war and it only has half a bathroom, I'm being funny, guys, right? That has half a bathroom. Is there anything else that would stop you from writing an offer? We're just going to keep digging deeper and repeating that phrase until you've gotten all the objections on the table. Does this make sense? Okay. Yes. Next step then is cushion. You're going to take the edge off it. And you don't have to do every one of these steps, but when you do them, it can do it in about 30 seconds to a minute to go through all of them. It really does frame you up to handle the objection, which is what I'm going to teach you next. So cushion. Okay. Hey, Craig, you know, I can totally appreciate the fact that you want to pay about a dollar to list your house. Frankly, that's actually what most of my clients tell me right before me hire me. So you're right on track. How are you feeling when I say something like that to you? I feel like you're on my side. Right. You're taking the edge off. It doesn't matter what they say. You're going to, no matter what ridiculous thing they tell you, by the way, if you're watching this recording later, go back and re-listen to that. That's a language pattern I use a lot, right? You're right on track. I'm on your side. 
I get how you feel, right? That's, that's what most of my clients, I notice I've just proved that I have other clients. That's what most of my clients tell me, right? Before they hire me, I plant a little, little command in there. If you guys know NLP, that's what most of my clients tell me is that they, uh, they want to make sure that they're, uh, they don't get in a bidding war right before we write it, write, write a strong offer on a house. You're right on track. This is a normal thing that people feel right before they do X, Y, Z. That's cushion. Any questions of this so far? I'm going to keep rolling. Zach, let me know if people have questions on Facebook. The next one then is handle. So we're going to ignore, restate, isolate, cushion, and then handle. This is the meat and potatoes here. I just realized you couldn't see my screen for half of these. So there they are. Ignore, restate, isolate, cushion, and then handle. Okay. Handle is the meat and potatoes of how you actually address the objection. But even when I get to this, do you guys understand that if you jump right in and someone gives an objection and you start handling right away, you start pushing back instead of pulling them in. That's where most salespeople get a bad reputation that they're pushy salespeople. When you go through these steps, ignore, restate, isolate, cushion, at the time you start to handle it, you're framing it up in a way that it's going to go a lot better than if you just jump right in and start trying to tell them something. Do you like, do you like hip hop, Craig? Um, a little bit. I mean, I like all kinds of music. All right. So this is an example from hip hop. I'm not like a huge hip hop. I mean, I like hip hop, but I just, this line sticks in my head. Kanye West uses it a lot. He's got a song about it. a bunch of other hip hop artists. They all say the same phrase. Can't tell me nothing. You ever heard that? Can't tell me nothing. So when you guys think about this, when you get an objection from a seller or a buyer, I want you to hear that phrase in your head. If you know what songs I'm referencing, there's a bunch of different songs that sell it, right? Can't tell me nothing. You guys can't tell people anything. You got to invite them to self-discover to figure out what the answer is. And this is how you set that up. So the handle, I'm going to give you three techniques in the next 20 minutes that all work to handle objections. But you know what the last step is after you handle the objection, Craig? Tell me you know this one. Close. 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 And this gets super boiler room. If you've seen the movie Boiler Room, Glengarry Glen Ross, the ABCs always be closing. That's not modern sales. I'm not talking about closing all the time. In fact, these days, I think Barry Jenkins was on here. He said the new ABCs are always be curious, which absolutely makes more sense to me in terms of how we interact with most leads. But after you handle an objection, this is the perfect time to close. And this is where some of you, even experienced salespeople are probably dropping the ball where you do this beautiful thing. You address their concerns. You say what's going on and you forget to make it easy for them to know what the next step is. That's all closing is. It doesn't have to be a hard close. You don't have to be like, so sign here. You could literally just lead them to, all right, so the next step would be, right? You're going to take care of the paperwork and we get started selling your house. Sound like a plan? Like you could literally just set what the next step is in a very casual form. Any questions on this pattern before we dive into the rest of this? Team leaders, helpful so far. Do you want to go make your team come back and watch this thing? All right, cool. Making sure. I, I like the way all the team leaders here are like, let's get my team watching this. Like, I'm, Guys, this is what makes sales fun to me because if you can have fewer at-bats, right? If you can have fewer at-bats and close more deals, that, that's how you sell more homes in less time while creating an amazing life. If you got to go on 10 listing appointments to get you know, five listings, I'd rather go on 10 listing points to get 10 listings or eight listings, whatever it is. It's just, does that make sense? Efficiency. So here's technique number one for objection handling. It's called the reframe or the level shift. And everybody who's on, if you're on camera, if you're not on camera, it doesn't matter. Put your fingers up like the person in the picture like this, right? Reframe, level shift. This is what it is. I, I don't actually want you to do that in front of a buyer or seller. I just thought it'd be funny, right? Never mind. All right. Sorry. Thank you, Brian and Craig for playing along. Here's the reframe level shift, right? Here's what it is. You're going to take something they have told you and you're going to attach a new meaning to it. 
You're going to take something they told you and attach a new meaning. And that new meaning you're going to give to it is something that you have more power discussing than what they originally told you. So let's go back. I love seller objections talking about commission. Someone says they want to pay you $1 for you to sell their house. Let's just get absurd, right? So race to the bottom in terms of sometimes lowest commission. They want to say what? I mean, hopefully the listing agents have never heard anything that absurd, but like you felt like that before, right? Those of you listing agents I can see on camera, um, do you guys agree? Have you ever felt like a seller, like just kind of, kind of does a, the old Tanya Harding with the, with the bat to the knees as you walk through the door and they're like, by the way, I'm only going to pay you a dollar. Thanks for driving an hour and a half each way to come see my house. Anyone ever had that besides me? It's only me. Okay. So here's a reframe level shift. The, what the question I want you to ask in your head is, and this is why we practice this and role play this. So you can start to do it on the fly, but even after you don't, even if you practice it, if you don't know how to do it on the fly, my goal is to teach you how to fish. So you can do this every time but there's only like five or six different objections you get every time over and over. So once you memorize one pattern, you don't need to do it on the fly, but here's the, the framework. I want you to ask yourself, what else could this be meaning? When someone says, I want you to list my house and I, want, I only want you to charge me a dollar, what else could that be meaning? I'm going to throw out some examples and then Brian, Fran, Craig, anyone else, Judy, anyone who's on here with Janice wants to type in the box or come off mute, give me some other options. We're going to make a list of them. They could be meaning, number one, they could be meaning um, they want the most amount of money in their pocket at the end of the sale. Number two, they want the best value from their agent. Number three, they don't like agents and they don't think agents are very worth their money. I'm just making things up here, right? Anyone else got anything it could mean? What does it mean if someone wants to list their house for, for you know, wants you to charge them a buck? Anyone else got any additional meetings? They just, there's so many discount brokers out there. And they just don't see the value that realtors bring because the market's everything's selling. So why do I need to pay any extra? There we go. The, the market's selling. Everything's selling in this market. So why do I need to bring it, pay any extra? Okay. Now out of these lists, I want you to start to look at which are the easiest for us to address as agents to illustrate our value. What Brian said is absolutely valid, but that's a harder one to address, Brian, when trying to go back and say, well, here's why we do do stuff because frankly, the market is hot. Right. And I'm not going to go head to head with them and say to them, Hey, look, guys, I know the market's hot and things are going to sell. I'm going to reframe it to the first one of the first ones I said in the back door into what Brian said, because I want to end where Brian is and address their concern. But I'm going to start out from a place of, Hey, what I'm hearing you say is you want to make sure you end up with the most amount of money in your pocket at the end of the sale. Is that correct? Brian, what's the seller going to say if you say that to him? Yes, definitely. Why wouldn't I? Wait, what buyers like to say that? And then, and then you can address it. Look, I, I know you're probably thinking the market's so hot, right? You don't need an agent because it's going to sell anyway. Is that kind of what was that part of your thought process? Yeah. My neighbor's house sold in two days and the one down the street sold in three. So it, I just, you know, I just need somebody to get me to the closing table. Okay. So now that I've reframed it, now I can actually handle it. I'm going to throw in here. And if I would, could you, you guys know that format. So, so Brian, if I could show you a way that by hiring me, it would actually net you more money and finding an agent who would sell this home and only charge you a dollar. If I could show you that would truly net you more in your pocket, would you be open at least looking at that? Yeah, I'd take a look at that. Okay. So let's go ahead and look at, let's go ahead and look at XYZ. And now you go into your marketing plan, your track record negotiations, you plant seeds of doubt. If anyone wants me to go deeper here, I can give you examples of how I plant seeds of doubt, such as someone who only charges a dollar, you know, how if they can't negotiate their own commission. How good are they going to be to negotiate yours in a multiple offer situation, right? Every, uh, every word that your agent says could help you net or lose an extra 10, 20, $30,000 based on driving that competition versus, right? There's all sorts of ways you can, can talk through this. That's the part that you have to kind of play with on your own and role playing and, and learn. I want to teach you the framework today. Is this making sense, guys? All right. So 
Again, I've thrown out a couple times role play. Role play is like, oh, cool. This that's not it's not an accident that you get good at this stuff. It's daily practice. It's as you can see, if you remember on Brian's uh on Brian's background and zoom there. I love your background, Brian. He's got mile high stadium, he's got some sports there from from Denver, right? From Colorado. In yep. in sports, you practice stuff, you develop muscle memory. There's no difference in sales. You're not gonna listen to this power huddle one time for 30 minutes and become a fantastic salesperson. Is this listed anywhere? Fran, can you go deeper in your question? Is which part listed anywhere? Because I've got this, this beautiful graphic your, that I shared. Go the, ahead. List, the list of everything that you just said, everything that you just talked about, is that um, written out anywhere that I could uh, list and cop, not copy, but kind of practice? Yeah, I'm fine with you listing it. Um, Zach, if you want to just trans have that little last part I said transcribed, we can turn it into a list and post it in the Agent Power Huddle Facebook group and post it along with this episode. I don't have that part written out. That was kind of me just riffing because I've done this for so many no years. No problem. But, but, no, but with that, because we could easily turn that into a bullet pointed list though to kind of give you like a choose your own adventure you could pull from. Awesome. Thanks. Cool. All right. Let me give you the, the other couple of techniques. Thank you, Zach. Um, let, let's, let's get to the... Uh, a couple other techniques here, and then we'll go back and we can have you guys throw out different objections. I can show you some more examples of the reframe level shift if you want to go deeper, but those of you on camera, does that one make, make sense as a basic concept? Okay. Let me give you the other two. Because some of you are going to like the reframe level shift. That's the one I use the most often, right? Um, I could handle recruitment objections. I could handle buyer objections, seller objections. I can handle almost anything with this reframe level shift. The next one I'm going to teach you is called what specifically? What specifically? And you don't have to make this thinking face and be super, you know, you don't, have to, you don't have to make that face, although that gentleman, that's a great picture there, very thinking. What specifically is used to isolate objections when the buyer, seller, or agent you're talking to typically is when they're being a little illogical or a little just kind of out there and what they, what they threw out there in their objection. But even if it's a normal objection, you can still use what specifically. <clears throat> your goal, your goal is to flush out what is the what's the underlying cause? What's really going on for these people, right? And you're going to get there. So here's the steps to what specifically. First thing you're going to do is you're going to cock your head to the side like a puppy dog. Yeah, everybody cock your head to the side. Yeah. So this is, even if you're on the phone, you're still going to do this because this, soft, this physiology softens your voice because this one can't be done aggressively. You got to get curious. It's cock your side and you go, I'm just curious. That's the phrase that starts this thing. I'm just curious. You can start with other language, but I love, I'm just curious. You know, what is it specifically? about, and then you ask whatever you're going to get clarification on, right? I'm just curious, what is it specifically about paying a listing agent $1 to sell your house that causes you to believe you'll actually net more money on your sale? No, the podcast didn't break. I'm leaving a stupidly awkward silence. That's on purpose. That's what you want to do, okay? When you say a question like that, and you don't have to say that full sentence, you can literally say, what is it specifically about? No, paying an agent $1 that's important to you. You would literally just kind of leave it open-ended and let them talk. But I like to kind of like when they're being illogical, really kind of back them into a corner, but I'm, I'm softening it because I'm, I'm just curious. Those of you from the South, you know the expression, bless their heart, bless your heart, bless her heart, bless his heart. You guys know that one? Where someone says, bless their heart, and then they say something totally rude and offensive. Bless their heart. They just can't show up for anything because they're one of the stupidest people I've ever met on the planet. Right? You ever? I guess I said that way too fast. If I'm from the South, I'd say more like, bless their heart, but they just steal from everybody and they are a terrible human being. You're like, no, that's, that's, that's a, anyway, those of you guys not from the South, maybe you don't know this phrase, but it's, it cracks me up. So 
This is kind of like bless your heart. You're going to start with, hey, I'm just curious. What is it about writing an offer $100,000 under list price that causes you to believe you're actually going to get your offer accepted? Jesse, could I role play with the listing side real Absolutely. quick again? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, Jesse, the reason I, I don't want to pay a lot of commission is because like I told you, the market's so hot and that's the one thing I can control. And so I just, you know, you don't know what the house is going to sell for. I don't, but I know what I'm going to pay my realtor. So that I, I, I'm just stuck. I'm not going to pay you more than one tomato. I okay. I fully understand that. And that, and so if you, if you're, do you, do you have notes? Are you taking notes right now? So I'm going to, I know if we never end up working together, I mean, I hope we do, but let me just have you write something down as a seller. This is going to help you as we go through this process. When most of my clients find this as a really good mantra, control the controllables, control the controllables. I had a mentor that taught me that years ago. And so as a seller, right, most of my clients tell me something very similar to what you just said. It's going to give you a sense of security to know there's something you actually have control over. Makes sense. Here's the one thing I will tell you in this market. That's good for the, you as a seller. This market is so insane that we don't know what the price is going to sell for, but it's going to be really, really good. You've probably seen the news of things selling so fast and for higher prices, correct? Yes. And what I'm really hearing you say is you want to make sure you end up with absolutely the most amount of money in your pocket, period, at the end of the sale, correct? Correct. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Okay. Now I'm going to go back into the exact same handle I just used a few minutes ago. Unless I'd already said it with you, right? I brought it back to a reframe level shift because I got to get to the key, but you told me your objection because it's anxiety, fear. You said, I, this is something I can control. So notice I changed my language. If you go back and replay the last few seconds of this recording, Brian, we can't obviously do it live, right? But if you could, you heard I changed some choice of words based on when I realized there was an anxiety or a fear going on. I used more specific, concrete language to give you a sense of control. Again, to use children as an example, I know you have kids. When your kids were younger, the stronger framework you give them, the more comfortable they feel and safe in those boundaries. Correct? Correct. Same thing with a seller. Same thing with a buyer. They can't feel backed into a corner, just like with your kids. And by the way, if you don't have kids, you don't need kids to understand what I'm talking about. Think about uh, any, anything other, any other situations, sometimes with pets. They're all the same sort of thing where you're trying to create some behavior modification. If you back someone into the corner, their claws come out. But if you allow them to feel some sense of control, but then you give them a framework to operate in and you let them know, hey, I'm in charge here and this is going to be okay. They tend to relax. It's acknowledging the fear and anxiety, bringing their level down so they can actually hear what you're saying and then addressing how you are the person who's going to get them the most amount of money. And if guys, you can't figure out how to explain how you can help a seller get the most amount of money in the least amount of time, go back to the drawing board right now. Because you need to figure out how to explain that very quickly. In one sentence, two sentences, five sentences, I got six different ways I can do it. And that's a separate talk we can do, Zach. Maybe put this to one of my list of, a, list of future topics for USPs, unique selling propositions, and just ways, I don't know how to call the topic, but ways we can, uh, you know, ways you can illustrate your value as an agent. You should have a few different ways to just pull out of your pocket. I know Brian does. I know Craig does. I, I know you do, Brian. So did that answer that role play scenario though? Uh, yes, it did. So um... And for time, we'll just continue moving on, but just love, I'm going to go back and listen to it because just it was so smooth. It, it just made me feel comfortable. So Yeah. And more than anything, it's the feeling you create. It's not the words you say, it's the way you say it. And it's my choice of words that created, when I talk to engineers, I use words like strategic, step-by-step, step, right? When I talk to people that are more feeling people, I'm talking about, I want you to feel comfortable as we go through this process. Right? When I talk to high Ds, I say, hey, nice to meet you, sign here. 
No, I'm kidding. I don't, but you get, you get the idea, right? If you're bottom line, people are going to say, Hey, look, I'm going to bottom line. You're a bottom line person. I'm going to bottom line this for you. Even if you talk for five minutes after that and you don't bottom line it, you still acknowledge that they're a bottom line person and you want to acknowledge where, the way they process the world. That's going to make this things more advanced. All right. I got five minutes. I want to give you one last technique and then we'll kind of go deeper. And Brian, thank you for saying it was smooth because I don't use these that often in a buyer or seller context. I use them more in the recruiting context these days and more in the training context, but it's all the same concepts. And I practiced them so long for so many years at the beginning. And by so long for so many years, I mean like six months. Like it doesn't take that long. If you do this every day for a couple of weeks, you'll get, I mean, let me say this here before I teach the last one. If you do this every day for 20 minutes a day, five days a week for two weeks, pick one technique and role play it for two weeks. You will get like 80% of the way of what you needed for all the benefit you're going to get out of that. Like that's really about it. If you do it from another three, four, five, six months, you'll be like 95% of the way there. And then the rest of the years you do for the rest of your life, you're just going like an extra little bit, little bit, little bit, but it's all about building that confidence for you. And it's not about knowing what to say. It's about that sense of confidence. Go ahead, Brian. Real quickly. So how about one last buyer objection? Hey, Jesse, this, this market's so hot. I'm just going to wait till next year. Only. When there's more inventory and it's not as crazy. Yeah, I totally respect that. And I'm not going to do the whole, uh, the whole six steps, by the way, but I could go, actually, you know what? Let's do those six steps. Let's just do this real quick. Cause I'll, I can go back and do a, I can do, has there ever been a time in about two minutes or less? So let me put these steps on the screen while we do this. So go ahead and say that objection again, Brian. Oh, you're on mute. You got to unmute yourself. This market's just too crazy. Uh, I was just looking online, Jesse, thanks for the call, but I'm just going to wait till the beginning of the year, the springtime when there's probably more inventory. Okay. T totally makes sense. Tell me a little about the home you're looking for. That would be ignore. We're going to go past that one for the, for the sake of this role play. We'll go to restate. So what I'm hearing you say is you just want to, you just want to have a lot of options when you go to buy a house. Is that correct? Yeah. I, I just feel like uh, I, I can't compete. I, you know, I don't have an extra $25,000 to win right now. Ah, okay. So, so other than not being able to find many good choices and worry that you can't compete right now, is there anything else that would cause you to not want to buy a house? Uh, no, I just, uh, no, that, that'd probably be it. It's gotta be the right house. Okay. And, and I hundred percent, I don't want you to buy a house unless it is the right house. And there's will never be any pressure from me, by the way, whether it's one week, one year, 10 years, I'm just going to be here with you when the time is right for you. And everything you're saying about not wanting to compete, that's, that's by the way, what most of my clients told me, I had someone, I just uh, found them a perfect house last week that they didn't want to buy for a year and they ended up finding the perfect house and got a, got a fantastic deal on it. So um, if we could find you, right, here's the handle. If we could find you the perfect house and you weren't overpaying, would you want to still buy something now or would you still prefer to wait till next year? No, I do that now. Yeah. Okay. So without any pressure to buy, let's explore some of the methods that we do to find houses. And let's see without wasting your time, if there's a way that we can still find something that matches what you're looking for, get a good deal on it and still move forward. And if not, then you wait. Sound like a plan? Fair enough. Yeah. Just don't, don't pressure me, please. There'll never be any pressure for me. Right. Again, I, like, like I said, write it down. If it takes you 10 years, I'll still be your friend. Okay. Okay. And then I'm going to go into my actual strategy of how I how I service buyers, my normal buyer consultation, right? But it's, it's just people's brains are not linear. You're going to have to handle these things back and forth three or four times and bring them back. You're going to be looking for a house. You're like, I got to pause. And if you just, if you pause every time your client's paused, you're doing them a disservice because they still want to buy. They're just getting nervous. And salespeople's job is to help people get out of their own way so they can do the things they want to do. I truly believe that's what salespeople do. That's why we make the world go round. I think salespeople are grossly underpaid for what we do, even though we get paid a lot. All right. So the last one, 
in one minute or less. Ready? Has there ever been a time? Has there ever been a time? This is the storyteller one. This is the one that you're going to utilize to draw connections between something in their life and something generic that you're tossing out there because people don't like to make the same mistake twice. Some of you will hate this one. Some of you already love the idea of this one. Here's how it goes, right? I'm going to go one minute over the end, the, the bottom of the hour, but that's okay. I can wrap this up in two minutes. Ready? So Brian, let's use the objection he just gave me, right? About I'm going to wait for the market, blah, blah, blah. Hey, Brian, has there ever been a time where you're trying to make a decision on something? You ended up waiting too long and you missed it? Yeah. Yeah. We tried to refinance a couple of years ago and missed it. Okay. What was it? So perfect. Let's pause right there. He already gave me a specific scenario. Sometimes people are like, yeah, I know something like that. I would follow up and say, tell me what that was. You want to get them present to that pain, right? So in this case where he says, we tried to refinance, we didn't happen. I'm going to go back and get them a little deeper to that pain. So what happened? Did you end up paying, paying more money? Cause you didn't refile. What, what happened there? Uh, we just all the paperwork. And then by the time we got everything, uh, interest rates bumped up and it wasn't worth it. And just a lot of time and agita getting all that paperwork together. Okay. This is just like that. Can I explain? Sure. Okay. Market's going up right now. Correct. Yes. Interest rates are low. Correct. Correct. We have no idea what's going to happen to interest rates. We have no idea what's going to happen to prices. I'm not saying I have a crystal ball, but if you wait till next year and prices continue up another 25% like they did in the last 12 months and interest rates tick up a little bit, how are you going to feel? Uh, good point. Probably like I did about the darn refi. Okay. So with zero pressure to buy, knowing that if we don't find the right house, we ain't buying it. And if you don't get a good price on it, you're not buying it. Do you feel comfortable at least exploring the process to see if it, we can find something for you? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, but I'm, I'm not going to overpay for something right now. Yeah. I, why, why would you overpay? If you don't, don't want to overpay, don't, don't buy it. I'm on your side. I work for you, remember? Okay. Okay. So taking the pressure off, adding value, taking the pressure off, adding value. That's the two things you want to do over and over. It's a little dance, but that has there ever been a time. Here's the key to this one, guys, when you role play this. The key is don't throw out something super generic. I didn't say, hey, Brian, was there ever a time in college when you were thinking about, you know, asking that, that woman out and you waited and then she ended up dating your best friend and getting married? Like, you don't throw out something like that because like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But what, it, huh? I said really generically, hey, Brian, was there ever a time when you're trying to make a decision on something you waited a little too, a little too long and it missed out? That's so, everyone's had that experience. It's a universal. And if they go, yeah, I know something like that. Cool, what was the time? If they can't think of a time, Practice asking better questions and get them really present to something. The only way this works is if they have a real life experience in their mind when they remember buying that toaster and they were trying to buy it and it didn't go on sale and they overpay. Like, make them tell you the story about the stupid toaster. And then the key phrase is, this is just like that. Can I explain? This is just like that. Can I explain? Okay. It really is not like the toaster. There's no connection, but you're smushing the things together in their brain. And since people don't like to make the same decision twice, guys, use this for peaceful purposes. Do not manipulate, persuade. Persuasion is getting people, as long as your interests are aligned with them, getting people out of their own way to do the things they want to do. That's why this is magic. If you guys have questions on this, I'm going to wrap it up here. DM me, message me, tag me in the Facebook post, right? We're going to, we're going to get going. And uh, oh, uh, there we go. Go ahead, Autumn. We can get this music going. And uh, yeah, this is, this is fun, guys. Enjoy your day. Let me know how I can help. We'll see you back tomorrow. Bye, guys. 
If you'd like more information or to get connected to the Agent Power Huddle, join our free Facebook group. This call was designed for the agents in our EXP organization, but open to any agent from any brokerage. If you're a guest and you're interested in learning more about EXP or our specific resources within the Agent Collective, reach out to the person who invited you to this call to get more info. Produced by the Agent Collective Media Network.